Once again, welcome to week number two of Tough and Tender. So I'm guessing all of you would agree with this. There's not much that's certain in life today. Like two weeks ago, I intentionally did not fill up the gas in my truck over Memorial Day weekend, waiting until the Tuesday after, because you know they jack the prices up for holidays and then they come back down. And, and so I pulled into the quick trip just down the road on Tuesday, and when I saw the sign, I shook my head because it had jumped 30 cents on Tuesday. And then this last week, I did the same thing, thinking it won't go up again, it's going to come down, it's over the weekend, and sure enough, on Monday, 30 more cents up. Like, there is nothing certain about gas prices today. There is nothing certain from a financial perspective in our world today, and all that we're dealing with. And that pales in comparison to the reality of the world in which we live, that there's not much certainty when it comes to, to life. Like, if you're like me, you've been watching the news over the last two weeks, and your heart has broken with parents of young children in Uvalde, Texas, as you've heard the story, had seen them repeat the story, and seen pictures and videos of families going to funeral after funeral. And if that's not bad enough, the last two weeks we've seen shootings in places like hospitals and, and workplaces that have only continued to remind us that life is anything but certain. And if you look at your life, you probably would say the same thing as I've experienced in my life, relationally or, or health-wise, there isn't certainty. Like over the course of the last year, my father-in-law had a heart attack out of nowhere. Thankfully, he's recovering and doing well. But damage has been done. A little over nine months ago, my son who went off to medical school was excited to see his girlfriend of about two years come and visit. They hadn't seen each other for several months. And, and she shows up and visits him and comes with the message of, I, I can't do this anymore. Like there's relational uncertainty, there's health uncertainty, there's financial uncertainty. Life is anything but certain. And here's the thing I, I want you to keep in your mind as we dig into week number two today. A truth that Peter knew, and it's why he was writing these words and addressing the issues that the Christians in that early Christian church were facing and dealing with. He knew what uncertainty meant for them in their lives. He knew what uncertainty meant for them spiritually. If you're taking notes, uncertainty is scary. Like, I just want you to think about your life right now. Maybe write it down, have it in your brain. What are the things right now that you faced or have gone through over the last several months that are causing you to feel uncertain? For you, you might be retired and you're, you're seeing the numbers and it's financial. For, for some of you, it's that relationship that's been cracking and you're wondering, is it going to last? For some of you, you've just gone to the doctor and they said, we want to run more tests because we didn't see, we saw some things we weren't so certain on and we need to dig deeper. What, what is it that has you feeling uncertain right now? And as you think about that, as you write that down, I also want you to write down what are the emotions that are most oftentimes attached in your life to uncertainty? Like when you have uncertainty in your life, is there doubt? Is there anxiety? 
Are you prone to isolate? Are you left questioning God spiritually or yourself? Like, what is your emotion? What reaction do you have to uncertainty? And I want you to think about why uncertainty is so scary. It's not that you have the emotion. Like, when things happen in your life that you don't see coming, when, when you get news that is bad, anxiety, it, it's an emotion that we have. Fear and doubts are, are things that human beings face. That in and of itself shouldn't scare you. You should be aware of it. But it's where they lead that makes uncertainty so scary. When uncertainty happens, some people isolate. You know where isolation takes you down a deep, dark hole called depression? And that's scary. It's scary for those who see it happen to people that they love, and it's scary if you're that person. Uncertainty is scary from a spiritual perspective because you know what happens when, when there's spiritual uncertainty? You're left to question one of two things. Your faith, and is something wrong, or God's faithfulness? Is there something wrong? <laughs> or how about anxiety? Like, I know anxiety, and you probably know anxiety, and we all have a default behavior that follows anxiety. For some of you, if you're like me, you turn into the biggest micromanager and try and get in control of everything you possibly can in your life when there's uncertainty that you can't control, and you do a whole lot of damage. Or maybe if you're like me, you self-medicate in some form or another. You veg out in front of your TV. You, you don't have relationships with your spouse or kids. Maybe you drink too much. Maybe you shop too much. Like, do you understand what uncertainty does? If anxiety happens, if isolation happens, if your faith comes under fire. Like, uncertainty, my friends, is scary. And Peter knew it. And he was writing to people who were facing uncertainty. Physical uncertainty. Like, remember last week, or if you weren't here last week, Peter's writing between 64 AD and 67 AD, either on the verge of or right at the beginning of the, the persecution of the Christian church by Nero. So maybe they had caught wind, even though they were removed from Rome, that this was, un this was underway, this was happening, and their heart was beating a little faster because their life was maybe hanging in the balance for their faith. That's uncertainty, and that's scary. And Peter also knew there was uncertainty there to their faith because they were under attack externally and internally. Like internally, the devil was working hard in their heart to, to cause them to doubt, and externally, false teachers were, were telling them they should doubt. <laughs> So there was uncertainty. And for Peter, that was scary. He was scared for them because he knew the implications that could take place and where it might lead them. And that's exactly what leads into where we're going today. Chapter 1 of Second Peter, he starts off with encouraging words, strong words, and also comforting words, the tough and the tender, of telling them to take their faith to the next level. And then he launches into this. He kind of goes after issue number one, 
If you remember last week, I talked about one of the issues they had was there was doubt for these Christians in God's word. Which leads to Peter in verse 12, addressing the uncertainty that they were feeling, the pressure it was causing, the things that he saw maybe were in their future, on their hearts, and God inspired him to write these words. So I will always remind you of these things, what was just said, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Now, as we leave those words up on the screen, I want you to think about two things. When you heard them for the first time or if you were reviewing them for the second or third time because you did your homework for this week, you might gravitate to right in the middle where Peter says these words, as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know I will soon put it aside. Like Peter is basically saying, calling his shot, he knows his life on earth is short. Now, if there's anything that should have scared Peter, it would have been that, right? Like at the top of the list of things people are scared of, that causes anxiety and, and worry that sometimes leads to isolation is death. It's unknown. It's sometimes painful. And Peter's was going to be very painful. Like if anything should have scared Peter, it should have been his upcoming death, right? But that's not what had Peter's attention, nor was there any fear in his heart. He wasn't scared of dying. What scared Peter was that the Christians he was writing to, the people that he loved, were in danger of losing their faith. He was scared for them spiritually. And these are tough words, even though you might not see it. So let me reinforce it. Like Peter hammers them three times, I will remind you of these things, even though I know, know you know them and you're firmly established in the truth that you now have. I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. I think it's right to refresh your memory. I, I know you know this. I know you've heard this. I, I want you to remember this. I know you, you know them and are firmly established in them, but, but I'm going to keep hitting you with them. Like, those are tough words. Like, some of you don't view them as tough words, but anyone under the age of 22 who's had a teacher just hammer them over and over and over and over again with the same thing are like, enough's enough. Like, I got it in my brain. Or how about the kids who are here? Like, when your parent asks you to do the same thing over and over again and, and tells you day after day, this is what I need you to do and what I need you to do. And you're like, seriously, I get it. They're tough words to hear, aren't they? Because we sometimes think we're so smart and our minds are so strong that we have it all figured out. But it scared Peter because he knew what was so important to remind them of. You know, those things, remember last week when I preached on week number one, I said, what were those things? What was the central message Peter focused on? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And identity, identity, identity. Who you are because of Jesus. And he said, I'm going to remind you of these things over and over and over again because they matter eternally. 
Because Peter understood a very powerful principle in this life. It's this. When uncertainty happens, one of the scary elements in it is we get distracted, we get confused, the devil weaves doubt, and he longs for us to forget. And you know what's true about forgetfulness? It is dangerous. Like, you can apply this to your life. It is dangerous when you forget your keys. No laughing, honey, or your phone. I'm prone to do that. Like, you spend 20 minutes trying to figure out where it is, where you left it. You can't find it. And sometimes, unfortunately, it makes you late for work. You get written up. It can make you late for an important date with that girl you've been waiting to go on a date for forever. And you lose your opportunity. Like, forgetfulness is dangerous. Or how about relationally, forgetfulness is dangerous. Like kids never forget Mother's Day, it doesn't go well. Don't forget your curfew. Husbands, because your wife will never forget this, your anniversary. Like relationally, there are things to remember, otherwise there's danger, right? Forgetting to take your medicine, your pills the doctor prescribed to help you deal with your blood pressure or your heart, you miss a dose, you might end up in the hospital. Like, is that serious? Forgetfulness is dangerous. And how much more so spiritually? Like, when you forget the truths about Jesus, 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 and your identity, when uncertainty hits, the reality is you will crumble fast in the storms. If you forget Jesus, 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 and your identity, when you sin and it's pretty big and it's pretty bad and you forget what the word says, the devil will come in like a, a lion looking for someone to devour. He said that in First Peter. So these people had heard it. Like you leave an open door and if you forget that God can forgive anything and everything because he's God, it might be dangerous for your soul. And before you get... This idea in your head that those tough words are not needed words by you, I, I need you to understand forgetfulness. Like a UCLA study, I've shared this, if you've been in my pre-marriage counseling, you've heard it before. I've maybe used it in a sermon before, but the reality is this, the study revealed when it comes to communication and the brain, we only hear 50% of what is said. And we believe, remember only 50% of that. You believe only 50% of that, and then you only retain 50% of that. And I know I got a math teacher in here, and I had one in the early service, and they corrected me because I'm not good in math. That leaves you with 6.25%. Like, as a guy who talks for 30 minutes, and all you're going to remember is, and hold on to and believe is 6.25%, that's scary. But our human brain is forgetting things all the time. All the time. Off the top, you, you lose half of it. By the end, you only have 6% of it. It's why Peter was so bold in speaking such strong words, tough words. I'm going to hit you with this till I take my last breath. I'm going to repeat it so that you don't forget it. I'm going to come back to it because you need it, because life is uncertain and forgetfulness is dangerous. And no one do that better than Peter. Like when he got nervous and anxious and doubted that Jesus could bring him further on the water and he sank. 
Like when in the garden and after he made predictions, I'll never leave you, but when his life flashed before his eyes and he considered that maybe he too would be arrested and beaten, he denied his Lord three times. And my friends, if that can happen to Peter, someone who spent three years with Jesus, that could happen to Christians that he was writing to and members of 922. He understood that forgetfulness is dangerous. And it's also why he followed those tough words with some tender words. The, the answer to the question, what does one do in the face of uncertainty? In a world where, where nothing seems certain, where, where does one go? What does one rely on? What does one need to remember, remember, remember? Where does one turn to for the truths that are life-changing and vital and important? Well, Peter pointed them in the direction of something he believed was certain. A certain person, a certain mountain, at a certain time in his own life. Peter pointed them in the direction of Jesus' transfiguration. He said, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father. When the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Peter said, I am certain of what I saw. I am certain of what I heard. I am certain of what transpired and took place on that mountain. Like, this is not a made-up story from Uncle Joey, who passed it on to Aunt Sally, who, who passed it on to Cousin Jimmy, who, who passed it on to me. And it's not the three or four people down the chain, and the story is completely different. Peter's like, nope, I saw it. I was there. I heard it. He is who he said he is. He did what he said he came to do. And that means for you and for me, the Son of God who came down is the only solution to your sin, and he is your Savior. And that's game-changing to your identity. That's game-changing in your uncertainty. Do not forget that. Which still leaves maybe a lot of people with a question, right? Like maybe those early Christians appreciated Peter's certainty. But you know what none of them saw? The mountain. <laughs> you know what none of them experienced? The voice of God. Like, Peter, we love you, we respect you, but you've been known to be a little emotional. Maybe you didn't hear it right. Like, if you only hear 50% of what is said, <laughs> and you only retain, remember, and believe 50% on down the line, maybe, Peter, you got like a burst of sunlight. That's the percentage, right? So Peter wanted to make sure he left no doubt. Like, in an uncertain world, what is the one thing that is certain? What's the answer to uncertainty? What's the thing that helps us face it, deal with it, when anxiety hits, when doubts occur, when, when the questions arise? What, what is it that God wants us to hold on to? Peter doesn't want us to forget. Peter goes on. He says, we also have. Don't just take my word for it. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all else, you must understand no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. 
For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Don't just take my word for it, Peter says. Trust God's word, because it is the truth. We have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. Peter's not actually saying that uh, when you look at the Greek. Like something more reliable means my wife's car is more reliable than my car. My wife's car could break down tomorrow. Mine's more likely to. <laughs> it's a 2001. It's very rusty. It's not in good condition. Literally in the Greek it says, we have the prophetic word which is more certain. <laughs> Peter's like, don't just take my word for it. Don't just believe me because I saw it. We have the recorded, inspired word of God himself, the one who spoke to Moses on the mountain, the one who inspired the first five books of the Bible. We have the one who inspired Isaiah to record verse after verse 700 years before Jesus was born that, that predicted what he would be, what, what family line he would come from, how he would die and suffer. And you know what happened? It came true. <laughs> we have people like Micah who pointed out the place of his birth. Like the Gospels are filled with truths of things that, that God has predicted and they have happened. We have the word which is more certain because it's God's word. And that's what Peter knew was the answer to uncertainty. That's what Peter knew was so vital and important for them to remember and never forget. The word of God, the truth about Jesus, because it was game-changing for their identity. If you're filling in the blanks, here's the answer to the question. When we face uncertainty, it's scary, but God has given us something that is certain in the face of anything that causes fear. Whenever there is doubt, whenever we have questions, whenever we're anxious, remember that the word is certain. The word is certain because God inspired it. Peter gives us the definition of verbal inspiration. God used different individuals with different vocabulary, with different life experiences, and he told them the words that he longed for them to write and record. Now, he didn't dictate word for word, but he used them, but, but guided and, and gave every last thing he wanted them to, to write. They weren't their words. They're God's words. Which is why Peter was so animate about never wanting them to forget. Why he made it his life mission for them to remember. Why he was going to beat that drum until he breathed his last. Because he knew how important it was. How dangerous forgetting was. Which leaves us with the answer to the face of uncertainty. Like remember that the word is certain. Like, remember the devil's first line of attack from a spiritual perspective in the garden? You know what he did? Did God really say? He tried to undermine his word. The Christians 2,000 years later, as, or 2,000 years ago, as Peter was writing to them, were facing attacks and people were undermining God's word. The devil still today is doing the same thing. He's, he's wanting you to believe that there's a different truth, a better truth, a more worthy truth of following. Remember, the word is certain. It's why he's given us the book. It's why over 3,500 years, this preserved word 
has been turned to and looked to and listened to, why, why Christians have encouraged fellow Christians to remember it. Like, and I think maybe as pastors, we need you to hear this. We're going to beat that drum too. To remember these things. Because the odds are pretty good in the days, the weeks, the months, the years ahead of your life, you're going to face uncertainty. It might be physical, it might be financial, it might be emotional, it might be relational, it might be spiritual. And you know who's going to come knocking? The one who seeks to pounce and destroy. It's why we beat the drum of the roots. Because you know what happens when you're rooted? You get plugged into the thing that is certain. You get connected to the thing that Jesus, the night before he died, prayed for you and me and Peter, and Peter probably heard it, sanctify them, Lord, make them holy by the truth. Your word is truth. Peter probably had memorized the passage as a little boy from the book of Psalms. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. You will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place. You need light in a dark place to see where you're going. This book is not going to glow unless you've got a magic cover around your Bible and you can walk with it to get light. But it opens your eyes to allow you to see where you're going and, and it's certain. It's certain that your sins are forgiven. It's certain that your God loves you. It's certain in the face of death that you are right with God because Jesus Christ died and rose again. Which is why Peter was going to go down swinging to, to make sure they remembered these things and it's why we as a church believe in the roots because we want you to remember these things. Because we know what you'll face, because we face it. And we know that you might be tempted to forget and will forget because we forget. But God never, God doesn't want you to forget. He wants you to remember. Just like Peter wanted you to remember, just like we want you to remember. So I'm going to give you a mnemonic to help you remember. Like some of you like to learn this way. Four R's to remember better. Like if you want to remember better, Peter wanted those Christians to remember better. We want you to remember better. I pray that you want to remember better. Here's how you remember better. First one is this. Revere. Revere the word. Make it the first place you run to, not the last place. Revere Sunday mornings. Like here in God's house, the means of grace are present. You will hear this word. We will point you to that cross. Today we will celebrate the very body and blood of Jesus Christ to, to pay for your sins and, and mine. Revere it. Like this is special. Like when you got confirmed, it was not graduation day from this book. Prioritize it. When you move off to college, when you get married, Prioritize it. When, when you are old, revere this word because it is certain and it has the words of everlasting life on it. And you will need it. And don't just revere it and prioritize it on Sunday. Don't just revere it and hold it up as the standard to run to in difficult times. To remember better, you not only need to revere it, you need to read it. Like this book sits on my desk, it does me no good if I don't open it and read it. Like, if you want more Jesus, 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 like, make your Bible reading plan a gospel and just keep going through them. You will not be disappointed. If you want to read tough and tender words, like, hammer out the book of Romans and it'll hit you in the face for sin and, and it'll comfort you with amazing grace. But you got to read it. 
Like if you're not in a grow plan, if you're not reading it, if, if Sunday's the only time, the odds are pretty good, your 6.25% is like 0.25%. Because our brain is dripping stuff out and forgetting all the time. Read it. And as you revere it and as you read it, rely on it. Put it into practice. Like when the world says this is true, when the word says this is certain, rely on this. Rely on this. When trending thoughts that we talked about last time enter into your heart, rely on this. If you're looking for guidance about life, guidance on relationships, guidance on, on sin and, and what it is and what it isn't, rely on it. Rely on it. Four hours to remember better. Revere it. Read it. Rely on it. And then repeat it. <laughs> like do it over and over and over again. Keep revering it. Keep reading it. Keep relying on it. Revere it. Read it. Rely on it. Revere it. Read it. Rely on it. Re Are you getting mad at me right now? Revere it. Read it. Rely on it. I'm sorry I'm being so tough on you. Because you know what's in this book? A whole lot of tender. And in a life that's uncertain... We need something that's certain. Which is what amazes me about some of those things I talked about before. Like my son and my father-in-law, my father-in-law's health. I love how God has used that to be a spiritual boost, fuel in his life. Because he knows this is certain. I love in the face of it that when my son went through that uncertainty, he, it was hard, but found comfort in the word and, and revered it, still continued going to church. And now he's met someone new that I get to meet this upcoming week. I think about financially when my heart cringes about the resource and how much I'm paying for gas. I can look at my bank account and I can go, God, you've kept your promise. You've given me all that I need. And that's what the book does. And most of all, it points there. Which is why Peter said, never forget it, always remember it. In a life that's uncertain, never forget it. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, for your word. We pray that you bless us and, and cause us to remember that this church would be a place that will push people to remember that in our groups and in our life, we'll, we'll do it individually and collectively because we need to remember because life is uncertain. So Lord, let's never forget the truths about Jesus and our identity as a result.